Okay, recorder's on. Go for it. This is Chris Marshall from chrismarshall.uk, and you are listening to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, reminding you to pause, play, and move. I love it. Pause, play, and move. The one thing I didn't do today is move. I I missed my walk. (laughs) All right, I'm going to hit stop. I'll be right back. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Liz Bendit, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me. So you are at thebombbox.com. Did I get that right? Or bombbox.com? You did. Okay. The bombbox. The bombbox. Yeah, the. The. Okay. So all a function of which URLs were available when registering my little business. (laughs) (laughs) Been there, done that. (laughs) So talk a little bit about what you're most excited about in thebombbox.com today. Yeah, well, thebombbox.com was the the brainchild and outcome of my um, crazy background. Um, I don't know if this is in the intro or not, but I am a five-time cancer survivor. That's right. One, two, three, four, five different cancer diagnoses. Crazy. And it was just crazy. It's super crazy. And, um, you know, prior to um, starting the bombbox.com, I had a 20 plus year career as a marketing executive in a variety of consumer and commercial companies. And, um, so I, I think like a marketer, right? Because right. that's it's my bread and butter gig. and how right. I was trained. Yeah. Um, and as I was going through all my different cancer diagnoses, you, what you find is all these friends and family just feel so helpless, right? They want to help. They want to do something to help. And, right. you know, apart from, you know, <laughs> going and working for MD Anderson and curing cancer, like there's not <laughs> a lot they can do, you know? Like, totally. Isn't. Right. I mean, there are things, there's help that you need for sure. And it is, at learning to ask for help is a whole separate conversation, but- right. Um, in general, you know, what I did find is that people feel like they want to show support. They want to help, especially friends and family that aren't living nearby. Mm. And so I received so many well-meaning, but what I would kind of argue were well-meaning, but kind of useless junk, right? Um, especially I've had two different breast cancers and, um, have received lots of pink stuff (laughs) and because breast cancer has, uh, declared pink the the color of breast cancer they own it they've done a nice job of, of mm. branding pink as breast equals breast cancer and right. yet so as a result you see a lot of pink stuff pink mugs and right tote bags and t-shirts and you know how many pink things do you really pink? need right I, I would argue none <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> i don't know my wife would agree it, it, she's it, not a fan a of pink one. yes yeah mm-hmm. No. Um, And so the, I, it was so nice to receive all this stuff, but in, in all reality, um, you're not doing anything useful, you know? So I ended up, I have like a, you know, I had a bunch of pink, you know, save the Tata's t-shirts that I've donated and 
you know, all these things that I just haven't used. Well, concurrently, while I was going through uh, these different treatments, there's, there is stuff you need that's non-prescription, <laughs> right? Right. So there, you know, right, your right. doctors will write you scripts for everything, right? Everything from, you know, pain to sleep to nausea, whatever. Mm. But there's still, you know, they don't write you a script for ice packs or fleece right. blankets or right. lip balm or, wow. you know, all these other things that are really, really useful when, mm. um, as a result of various cancer surgery and treatment right, side right, effects. Right. And so, um, during the pandemic, I had this idea. Um, well, that's not true. Let me go back. In 2017, when I was going through radiation for breast cancer in particular, I, you know, and again, re, receiving a whole lot of pink stuff and and concurrently going through a pretty intense um, radiation where um, chunks of skin were falling off and turning Yikes. black. And it was, it was gross and, gross um, and scary. Painful. Yes. Painful. And um, receiving a whole lot of, like I said, pink stuff. And what I needed were like, deodorant that was aluminum free that my radiation oncologist would let me use yes. they don't let you use like it's so stupid but and finding one that what that actually prevents sweat i don't know or like i, was I found working. one we can get I was into that working yeah, and yeah. i was you know and and i had but i needed a lot of ice and so i need multiple ice packs and the ice pack mm. because i just that was really for me and right. um but they would leak through my clothes right so then how do i like so you're walking around with like these wet stains especially in your chest area it's like embarrassing right um so you want wow. something that's more discreet and um you know i just needed all these things and and i didn't and so i'm here i am on like google or going to whole foods and trying to like buy all this stuff while concurrently by the way still working full time have a mo mom of two uh, Girl Scout troop leader because wow. I'm crazy like that. Like just all of this stuff is going on, right? And I'm like, where you is just the put, box? You of put stuff? cancer treatment on your to do list, basically. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, and it's really true. And I was super arrogant too. Like wow. when the um, radiation oncologist, you know, I did all the pre meetings with her. She's like looking at me because I was in my early mid 40s, and she was like, you know, you're. And at the time, I was running half marathons. So wow. she's like, oh, you're so healthy. You're so young. You're going to sail right through this. It's no big deal. So I scheduled all of my radiation appointments for 745 in the morning so that the only thing I was planning on not doing was driving my kids to school. And that was on my husband. And then I would go to radiation in the morning, go to work. And that's just how I would fit it in. And um, it, and I can see how the radiation colleges would see that because when I was in the waiting room, you could see that many you know, the vast majority of people in the waiting room were much older and in more frail health. So I can see how comparatively mm. I looked. Just you look like you're just going to kill and, this, right? Yes. Yeah, like yeah. it was no big deal. But you don't, you never really know whose skin is, or how your skin is going to react. And unfortunately, mine reacted quite badly and it was quite painful. And it, it ended up being um, a much bigger um, inconvenience <laughs> and challenge than I had anticipated. Right. So, um, Anyway, so the idea for BombBox stemmed from that. I was like, where is, you know, this radiationrelief.com? That was my original idea. And then mm. over time, I just kept noodling with it, writing business plan, playing with this idea. But it's not like I gave it all that much time and effort, right? Because I, I was a working mom. <laughs> yeah. 
consecutive and busy. And so it's kind of like, thank God for lockdown, right? You, it kind of yeah, gave you the no, time, it's so true. Right? Yeah. It's so true. The lockdown made <clears throat> all of a sudden I didn't have to, you know, drive, drive commute, to tennis tournaments right. or volleyball matches or mm. orchestra concerts or right. Girl Scout troop meetings. You know, like all right. of that stuff just went away, <laughs> um, and I had the time to really think about it. And I thought, okay, well, as a marketer, let me just let's write a survey. And um, brilliant. it was this really long survey and it went down two paths. So if you'd previously had cancer, you answered a series of questions about the kinds of, you know, tools that you, you would like um, to use and receive as a gift. And people that had previously purchased gifts for cancer patients, what, how much would you spend? Would you buy all that stuff? Mm. And the survey was amazing. So first of all, it was super long. It took like 45 minutes to answer. It was wow. insane. Nowadays, nobody would answer that thing. But during lockdown and everyone's in front of their computer and bored out of their minds, it was something to do. And it went viral, which was amazing. Wow. Good for and you. We collected yeah. almost 600 responses. So it was statistically viable or valid, as yeah, my, yeah. Analyst, and my uh, analysts like to say. And um, yeah, and, and it completely validated my experience. The vast majority of cancer patients, when you ask them to rank um, or to to rate, I'm sorry, various items on a scale of one to five, one being low, I don't want this, five being yes, this is great. Mm. The the highest performing items across the board were all functional. Ice packs, lip balm, fleece blankets, essential oils, right? Like lotion, you know, mm. things that were really, really useful. Things that got ones across the board that nobody wanted, kicking cancer tote bags, kicking cancer coffee mugs, uh, worry Pink stones, things. inspirational yeah. poetry, things that I would kind of articulate or I would probably cordon off as like inspirational, right? And, right, right. And um, non-functional, and ask, as they say. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And again, it's if you search for a cancer care package on Google or Etsy or anywhere, you're going to get a lot of that functional right? stuff right the functional the non-functional stuff and yeah. um and i thought and then you ask cancer gift buyers or what i call just i've kind of categorized as caregivers right so if mm -hmm. you were a friend or family member who has cancer right i'm calling you a caregiver I, right the broad term in my in my little world and so caregivers you ask them how are you spending your money and what are you buying and it's almost entirely food and flowers right and so you have these this real disconnect, right, between what people want and need and what they're actually getting and a lot of money being spent that's wasted. And right. I thought, wow, here's this really big opportunity. And so that um, had me rethink the business and make it bigger, right? So it's not just radiation. It's, it can be surgery. It can be chemo. It can be, you know, any number of treatments and right. um, and pulling all that together into a business. And yeah, the pandemic gave me. And then right around the same time, you know, you talk about room rooming and veering. Well, this was my big veer. Right. Um, at the like all the same like within six weeks of each other, we had lockdown. Um, I got offered the opportunity to teach part-time at um the University of Kansas School of Business, oh, which wow. was great because it's kind of a really great little flexible part-time job. Um, so it provides me a little bit of income, you know, as right. I went into entrepreneurial lunch and I got laid off. <laughs> so wow. It was perfect timing. It was just perfect. So, I'm sure it didn't uh, feel perfect yeah. at the time, but maybe it did. I don't know. I felt like the moons, I feel like the universe was like, yeah, you're good. Do it. Um, okay. and it was That's great. really, really terrifying because we are two income family and mm -hmm. to go to basically one and a quarter <laughs> was, <Right. laughs> was a lot, but it That's also, a big deal. yeah. 
the pandemic also reduced our expenses like everybody else because there just right. wasn't as much stuff to do. And There's buy. nowhere to go to spend money. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it, it kind of all magically worked out. I don't know that taking yep. that leap was amazing. And and I have just not, I've never looked back. It's been amazing. I can't do it. I'm really, really grateful. So I still um, teach part-time at um, the KU School of Business. Nice. Um, doing my class load waivers. I'm only teaching one class um, in okay. the spring semester. But Sounds um, perfect. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's really great. I love being part of the university. I love being around students. They're so smart. Ask great questions. They're interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you learn. You research. learn probably more than they learn, right? About. Uh, I'd like to think I teach them good things, but who knows, right? Well, it, it I, that's just kind of like my outlook. You know, most people that want to learn something, if you want, the best way to learn something is to teach something. That's, that's it's really, true. Yeah, no, it's yeah. absolutely true. It's kept You're me on top keep of my learning, game. I've gotten right, a lot exactly. of ideas from from researching, from reading various case studies, and you know what I mean, yeah, and, and totally. keeping up on my my side. And yeah. of course, you know, my colleagues do some really interesting research as well that um, I read. So yeah, it's um, it's it's worked out really really well, and the business itself um, has evolved, which has also been really fun process to go through. Yeah, so, I love it. So let's talk about Liz Bendit. Love that name, by the way, Bendit. Sure. Uh, before you got cancer, because like your first cancer was like 2009, right? Yes. So yes. let's go even further back than that. Let's go like okay. with where did Liz grow up and what was Liz like in high school? Because you oh, had gosh. a whole life, right? You had a whole life before 2009. <laughs> this is true. It's, it's uh, hard. To, it's, it's hard like to remember. It's like the olden days. It's yes. in the days. Yeah, I'm old. <laughs> Me too. Uh, I'm see. older so, than you, so it's okay. <laughs> um, I was born in Southern California. And nice. when I was 12 years old, my family relocated to um, Naperville, which is a suburb of Chicago. And then when I Ooh. was... 16, they relocated again to um, a town called State College, Pennsylvania, which is the college town where Penn State University is. Okay. Um, and growing up, I was um, always interested in things that revolved around performing, right? I liked to dance, gymnastics, nice. um, theater. Those were, That was my jam. Okay. And so I um, got to State College and the best way to immediately make friends and um, get involved was I tried out for cheerleading and um, hey, ended up that works. in the varsity cheerleading squad wow. my junior year. It was, um, and I had a great time. I loved it. Um, it was a lot of fun. Great and where'd, you, where'd you go to college? Uh, that was undergrad. That was okay. under, that was, I'm sorry, that was high school. Oh, in high school. Okay. You're still in high school. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's weird. So like the, if you think about Penn State University's. Um, okay. So that's, you were in the town. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's how I got confused. Penn State yes. University's <laughs> town is State College, Pennsylvania. Penn right. State's, um, they, they are the Nittany Lions and are the State College area high school's uh, mascot are the Little Lions. <laughs> so. <laughs> So yeah, there are lots of, of cheers that start with little lions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this that is, was me growing up. Yeah, yeah. I like it. But like um, and, you, that's but a I, weird after, transition too. Like go from Southern yeah, California to Chicago area Chicago, to Pennsylvania. Yeah. You've got three so, different pieces of the yeah. US. Because California is completely different than the Midwest and the East very, Coast. Very, yeah, much so, very much so. Thoroughly different. I wish um, it's so like all these little things. Like when living in California, I remember we used to refer to our parents and the, by their first names, that was just what it was done. Right. My friend, it's very, yeah, typical. Trisha, right. 
And and in the Midwest, I referred to someone's parent by their first name, and it was like the wrong thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Mrs. This or Miss Mr. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. and it was just so formal, so rude, and and I, I had no idea, you know. Right. So just there's a lot of little cultural things like that that were for sure different. Oh, I yeah. mean, I grew up in Michigan, so I a Midwestern guy all the way up until high school until I joined the Air Force, but I retired in the West Coast, right? So. Yes, West Coast is completely both. different. <laughs> Everybody, I I, the work this. attitude in the West Coast, all over the West Coast, is so laid back. I mean, everybody's the first name, and nobody's Mister This or Mister That, and it's just like, well, maybe we'll have staff meeting at eight, but he might roll in at eight thirty or nine, or maybe we'll just cancel it. You know, it's just all very not Midwest. You know, Midwest East Coast, everything's just so like. Arr, arr, arr. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it depends on where, where you do and what you are. Because um, so at some point, I eventually did make my way back to Los Angeles briefly to get my my MBA at USC. Okay. And Ooh, nice. the summer in between my first and second year of grad school, I worked in Barbie fashions. Um, <laughs> wow. At Mattel Toys. Um, Where's was, Mattel Toys? Where is that somewhere? They're in, the- in El Segundo. Oh, okay. Wow. I was right uh, the off- reason that I asked is because I saw an office for Mattel in El Segundo. So I was like, yeah, so I, I drove by that building (laughs) several times all the time. I'm very familiar with El Segundo. Do you, have you ever heard of LA air force base? Yeah, it's right. Yeah. It's right there. It's not pretty. Uh, No offices are gorgeous. They're, they're nothing like they look like in the Barbie movie. (laughs) It's completely different. At least from my recollection 20 years ago. Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. And when you were there, it was the old version of that base. They, they redid it while I was there. Mm -hmm. So they tore down like the half that was on the other side of the road and they made this gigantic boat of a ship, boat of a building, boat of a building. (laughs) Yeah. All I was going to say is like the work ethic at Barbie was pretty intense. Those people work hard. And wow. if there's an eight o'clock meeting, you show up at eight o'clock like that. And in fact, you're sure, there sure. at 745 ready. Like there, there yeah. was, it was a very, very serious, intense. The, the El Segundo, I think the government rubbed off on the El Segundo work, work <laughs> ethic. <laughs> it sounds like the Air Force Base was a, was a less structured place to work than the Mattel in my it was, experience. It, the LA Air ago, Force so Base was hilarious. very, very laid back. Yeah. I did have a anyway, boss that was very into clock watching though. <laughs> after after grow after uh, doing high school in, you know, rural area, I was ready to go hit an actual city. So sure. my undergrad, I went to Boston University and got my degree in mass communications. Oh wow. Boston. And um my senior year, I had a professor who I was like a mentor of mine and he got recruited by Disney. To go wow. work at Walt Disney World at a new resort called the Disney Institute. Interesting. And, oh, wow. Uh, which doesn't exist anymore. Okay. And um, <laughs> go look it, it was, up. So if, you, if we go back in time, this I'm going to totally date myself. Michael Eisner went to Chautauqua and thought it was super awesome. And Chautauqua is like this super elite, crazy expensive, really cerebral um, kind of resort place where people go to like vacation, but also expand their mind. So like you can oh, wow. go okay. to this beautiful resort in the East Coast and you take a lesson on opera composition or oh wow, um, yeah, Shakespeare or whatever. Like it's very, very intense. And he said, this is so great. This idea of like a tent of, of, do, of learning on vacation is intellectually stimulating and exciting. And why can't we do this the Disney way? And that was the the concept behind the Disney Institute. So my professor 
Steve Sklow, mm-hmm. was recruited to be the head of the broadcast arts division, and he recruited me to be his production assistant. And oh, I, wow. Yeah, and I lived and I moved to Orlando and had Orlando's three a great years city. of... Yeah, it was such a fun experience. I mean, you learn... There's so many things about working for Disney that are fascinating and interesting. And certainly one of the things that I learned very, very quickly is that I much more enjoyed the business side of things than I did the creative side. Okay. Um, so, for example, we had this program called the Disney News Network, DNN. <laughs> and you know, and people would come in and they would learn how to do... A, create a news production and then um you know they would do they would go and do on do stories around the campus and then record them and then edit them and then you know it was like a four-hour thing and they had a blast and then logically immediately after people were like hey can i buy a video of this a video cassette mind you and um and we hadn't even thought of it right like we were just really so focused on like what are the news stories like how do we what templates do we give them how mm. much you know, leverage. And so we were kind of creating all of this stuff without even thinking about the business side of things or this opportunity to sell totally. videos. Yeah, right. And so here I was, 21 year old production assistant. Steve was like, Liz, figure it out. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and so everything from like sourcing the raw videotapes right. and getting a dubbing machine and then Ugh. working with like the gift shop to sell them and having the revenue hit the correct spot in the PL, like all of that was me and it was such a great experience and my dad was the one that was like you know <laughs> you talk a whole lot more about this little video sale thing than you do about the creative are you sure you want to go be a you know tv movie director and I was like yeah that's a really good point <laughs> and so um I took the GMAT and I did well and um I applied to business school and so when- you're the MBA route yeah. I went the MBA route, figuring, right. you know, my undergraduate degree just wasn't, there wasn't enough math analytics business mm. in my communications degree. Right. Um, mass communications, right. And right. so what I... What do you learn uh, in a mass communications degree? You know, <laughs> I learned how to tell a story. That's I perfect. Learned, that's great because yeah, that's all marketing is. <laughs> yeah, now, anyway. I learned, I refined my storytelling, uh, both by the spoken word, writing scripts, performing scripts. And then also just writing, you know, writing mm. stories, writing um, articles, whether it's, you know, um, fiction or nonfiction. So I, sure. I think I be, I honed my writing skills. I've always been a good writer um, and certainly pretty articulate. Right. So, I mean, right. and I do um, give my undergraduate degree a lot of credit for that. That was certainly part of my math communication. Like I'm a good communicator, right? You are. It worked. But <laughs> I had no idea what a PL statement was. So I got had to go... <laughs> It's I my P&L, profit and loss. Is that what? Yeah. Hey, yeah. How do you run me. a business? And yeah, yeah. And you know, and, and the the particulars therein. And so, um, I I really felt like if I wanted to readjust into marketing, I needed more of a business background. And so, um, got my MBA. And like I said, I spent that one summer in consumer products. Not the biggest fan. Um, and then ultimately ended up at. Um, hallmark.com and it was the the dot com and hallmark's located in kansas city and i was interested in relocating to kansas city because at the time my parents had relocated there and my mom had breast cancer and i wanted to be closer to her so okay um so this is after the mba after my mba yeah okay and 
the opportunity to go work at Hallmark. It's a great brand. I'd be close to my mom. In my head, I was going to come for a year or two and then relocate back to Kansas to Los Angeles. Right. Of course, three months later, after I moved to Kansas City, I met my husband. (laughs) Then life happened. uh, Never left. (laughs) Yes, then life happened. (laughs) Yeah, and it worked out. It worked out really, really. It was kind of all meant to be. I feel like my mom recovered. She's doing great. Um, Great. And, and only got cancer one time. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. an overachiever. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So you're working uh, along then. You're you're enjoying life doing marketing for Hallmark.com. So what yeah, are you doing? Uh, so I was at Hallmark.com and then eventually moved over to the Gold Crown Card program and ultimate and created kind of a, a proficiency in loyalty marketing rewards program right retention marketing how do you get once somebody has found your brand your product how do you get them to come back more often and spend more money gotcha and we want uh, your other money too my area (laughs) of expertise (laughs) okay and um i and at that same time i got engaged i got married left for my honeymoon came back and one of the major projects i'd been working on got canceled while i was out for my wedding and honeymoon and I was pissed. <laughs> and so instead of wait, wait, you know, where did you go for your honeymoon, and and was it fun? Oh, where did I go? We went to Costa Rica. Ooh, Costa Rica! I've heard good yeah. things. Yeah, say hablo yeah, español. Yeah, very very little. I don't uh, either. Yeah, but we did see monkeys. And, oh, monkeys! Uh, are great. We did a lot of jungle, dangerous, but great exploration. They didn't attack oh, no, you. There were monkeys uh, right outside our condo, uh-huh. like in the trees every morning it was really cool they didn't try to steal your purse or anything no pardon me (laughs) they didn't try to steal your purse or anything no no good no (laughs) they they never approached us they just liked that's good whatever was in the tree it's like a natural kind of monkey they're not like unafraid of humans they're like what are those guys we don't like those stay away the (laughs) resort we were at was really small and there weren't that many people there so and this was also again i think that costa rica is like a cruise port now but at the time it was really remote okay so it's um, a fly in fly out kind of deal yeah i mean we had to like get on like a we had to fly into san jose and then from san jose we took this little prop jet to the guancosta region and it was like literally like they they weigh you (laughs) To yeah, make sure that yeah the you're, plane isn't... you're part of ballast at that point. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, and like, and it's not like you have an assigned seat. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like based on like your yeah. height and weight. It yeah, was, yeah, yeah, totally. It was pretty intense. Yeah. It was I, very I, small. I learned a lot uh, accidentally in the Air Force. And one time I was working with a bunch of crew chiefs. Those are the guys that fixed the jets. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I had very little to do in this job. Um, so one of the other guys said, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, what do you think I'm doing? <laughs> And he's like, well, you want to come out and watch me do a, a, what did they call it? Center of gravity thing, right? So every time mm-hmm. before a plane goes in the air, they have to run through all these different things where they're weighing the plane and moving mm-hmm. these pieces of ballast. They're just like metal plates that they slide around until the weight is right, right? Uh, and I got to listen to them do this. It's like, weigh it again. All right. That would be so interesting. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, this was Costa Rica in when did we get married, uh, two thousand and two. Okay. So, uh, like, we went. Um, what is it? Zip lining, and Fun. we didn't sign um, any waivers. <laughs> 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 so, like we joked. Welcome like, to South US, America. That's right. You just 
ocean show up is, and is they at start home. And they, they like <laughs> ratchet you to a harness, strap you in, hook you in the chain, and push you and off say, the platform. Good luck. Like it was, yeah, <laughs> in Espanol. So, it was, again, I this was 2002, so it was uh, it, 20 what 21 years ago. So it was a while. It was a while. So, yeah. It was a while ago. But so, yeah, we had a fabulous time. But I came back, and like I said, and career-wise, I was very angry that a big project I had been working on for a year got canceled for political, silly reasons. Of course. And, and this is at Hallmark being, still, right? Pardon me? This is still at, at Hallmark. Hallmark, yeah. yeah. Um, and so instead of seeing it through, I was disgusted and angry. And I was newly married to um, a gentleman who had great health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> which gave me Courage. the opportunity to go work anywhere because I didn't okay. have to worry about, you know, health, health care or, or benefits because I get them through my husband. It was an incredible, right. incredible. It was very meaningful to my career was having that anchor opportunity because right. my mom's illness. I, I always felt this like, you know, making sure that we had health insurance was always very front and center for my, myself and my brother. So, um, yeah, so I had this opportunity to go work at be employee number three at Bluetooth. Um, yeah, we technology. talked about Bluetooth. Sorry, I yeah. said I hated it so much, but okay. Then, employee number three. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's so amazing. Working at a true startup experience. It was international. It was B2B. I was responsible for, um, ret- for getting more engineers to put Bluetooth in their devices so that more device, because the more, right. more people would be more inclined to use Bluetooth, the more yeah, devices. You really have to sell that them. whole idea. Yes. <laughs> Which and is a big job. Number three. It was, it was amazing. It was yeah. so amazing. And so um, I got to travel everywhere. I mean, we went to, I was in Europe. I don't know, seven, 10 times. I mean, a bunch of times yeah. for various conferences and conventions and meetings. I've been to Asia, I'm into Japan, been, I mean, just everywhere. And it was such a great experience. It was pre kids. So, yeah. you know, I, um, my husband was also working as a consultant at that time for um, Arthur Anderson. And so we were both traveling a ton. Um, and so we did that for about two years and racked up unbelievable frequent flyer miles. And, right. Did you, you know, get to keep them and, and use them for you? Airline, yeah, rewards programs, which is wow. great. Wow, that's awesome. See, the government we, doesn't let you do that. Which is, oh, oh, you know what, though? They, they changed it. So uh, as I was retiring, so like all these times, right, all these military flights that I was doing for official business, as they say, uh, didn't get to keep any of those reward Bummer. Miles. I know. Now, Bummer. later on, they started saying, okay, you can we figured out a way that you can use them, but only for official travel. And then what I know exactly one more step. They went, you know, it doesn't really matter. It, so go ahead and use those for whatever you want. But I was already retired. So anyway, good well, for you. Yeah, good for, yeah, no, no, we had, we've racked up a lot of points. And so we blew all of our points on a beautiful, a first class trip to Paris uh, nice. It was amazing. It was basically Paris is free. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Did you go to the Louvre? 
See that little yes, pyramid of, of glass? Yeah. Yes. Did yes, you see Mona Lisa? Of course. My 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 wife lady. was really mad at me because when when we went to the Louvre and we saw all the art, then I looked over. I was like, "Where's the Mona Lisa?" And somebody heard me say that, and they pointed at this gigantic line for Mona yeah. Lisa, right? And I went, "I'm not standing in that line. <laughs> I don't give a shit about this old ass painting. I'm not standing in that line, right?" And it had already been a day for me. So uh, yeah, my wife was really upset. She's like, you're not standing. I previously, <laughs> I previously seen the Mona Lisa. I um between my junior and senior year of college, um undergrad, I um I had studied abroad in London, and so a bunch of friends nice. from London, um before we flew back home to Boston at the time, we did you know we backpacked through 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 Europe, and so we ended. I was in um I was at the Louvre with this group of maybe six girls. I don't remember, but I do remember my friend Kelly. <laughs> Like we all felt like we had to see the Mona Lisa. Like it was just something that you had Required, to do. Right. And it was like, I don't remember. It was late in the afternoon. We were kind of tired. We'd been walking all day. We we're trying to decide, you know, what to do. And of course, you know, six 20 something girls trying to figure out their plans. Like it's just gets a little catty. And Kelly just, her voice <laughs> raises above everyone. She goes, let's just go to the Louvre, see the hoe. And then we can go get a cocktail. <laughs> That's going in the show notes for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I have to tell Kelly about that. I don't know if she remembers saying it. It's still, it was still it's so very like. Did you see Mona So you did. See the hoe. Yes. Did, so so yeah, you I saw her once or twice? I, I did see her twice. We, we went back with my husband. And yes, and the lines were just as hideous 10 years later. So. Was it worth the wait? Where, no. Right. Other than to say that you did, I don't know. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So I went, I was in Hawaii forever. Well, not forever, four years. And it seemed like every time somebody wanted to come see me, they wanted to go back up to Diamond Head. And I had already done the hike more than I wanted to. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, hey, if you want to do Diamond Head, I'll go to the park, but I'm not taking the walk. I've had enough. Right. I've already, I, I got a postcard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I get it. I totally get it. Well, anyway, so we, we burned out our points and then I decided that I wanted, um, eventually to have, I mean, it's kind of like I started doing the math, like, okay, the clock is ticking. We want to have a family in order to have a family. We need to be in the same place at the same time to make a baby. Um, True. and on top of which there's no way I could maintain this kind of travel schedule with a child. It's right. not realistic. Wow. And so working backwards, if I want to be somewhere where I have significant maternity leave, I need to work there for at least a year, right, before I have a baby. So it's time to move on in my career. So you have to I buckle have, down now, as they say. Yeah, the like I needed a job that down. would lend itself to a little bit more logical work-life balance. More stability, more stable. And I, like an idiot, yes. I chose advertising. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You sort of like, yeah. seems like that didn't work out. So, okay. Well, Tell that story. <laughs> here's what I'll say. The work is amazing. I love the work of advertising. Like, you know, pulling together the concept of, you know, again, you learn, right? So uh, it was um, building a campaign from scratch, like getting a, an assignment from a, a client, whether it's we have a new product launch or we need to, you know, retain more customers. We need to you know, build a website at the time of, this is again, what am I thinking? 2000, 
trying to do the math here. 2003 or four. Okay. Uh, I, we were building websites and then eventually apps for clients. But I mean, those were really new. Right. Having a mobile communication strategy was like a whole new concept. Email marketing was still very strong. So, um, and data-driven marketing was the hot new thing. And so I came in with this background in retention marketing, right, from Hallmark. And it was a really good transition um, from Hallmark and from Bluetooth to come in and help with um, loyalty marketing, right? So because I understood how to use data to drive behavior. Right, right, right. And, um, and to that day, I think it, now I still use that. I use that all the time. Like I've been yeah, using like that, that survey. <laughs> product message, right? All those things. You don't know what's going to resonate until you try. And a lot of times it's a fair amount of trial and error. And there's so mm. many times where like what logically makes sense to me doesn't actually test out. And sure. That's why um, you and test. A lot of times right. it does. That's smart. Like, you yeah. Know, that's smart. It, you know, I can validate my assumptions or I can, you know, prove them wrong. But either way, I get some good data to to back up decisions. And, and I think that's been the key to my career and to a certain extent life success, right? It's sure. just data-driven decision-making. And so I came in on that particular team at the time. It was called the CRM team. and Customer um, relationship, relationship management. management. Gotcha. Um, and so, in fact, my my first title was before I was promoted was relationship marketing specialist. But fun fact, that didn't fit on the business card, and so my title on my business card said relationship specialist, which <laughs> yeah. is terrible. I'm like, oh, am I a therapist? Like, that's terrible. The worst business card ever. <clears throat> so yeah, getting getting a getting promoted to account director was like such a positive a bonus. I got New cards, yes, horrible cards. <laughs> Um, That's great. So, yeah, no, I got to work on a huge variety of brands and businesses. Most of them were consumer, but some were commercial. Um, I had my first child, um, actually both kids, while I was working at um, the ad agency. Okay. Um, and it was a grind. It, You know, my I husband bet. and I were on this, like, we had a, a full-time nanny, and we had this, like, very rigid schedule. schedule. Of- <laughs> yes. Who was responsible for getting up with the kids in the morning and getting them ready and breakfasted and dressed and, Mm. you know, until the nanny came and who was responsible for relieving the nanny at six o'clock and who could work late that night and um, who was on kid duty versus working. And it was like this very (laughs) rigid. It just sounds really grueling. Calendar. Yeah. And, and it worked until it didn't, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Well, you're stressing out and you're not eating right. You're not sleeping right. You're probably, yeah, I don't know. Are you? It was, it was just, (laughs) it was, I mean, on the one hand, the idea of slowing down my career was just not, um, I didn't, I didn't want to, I was enjoying it. I was doing well. I loved the people I worked with. I had interesting clients. I had good relationships. Working is fun. Yeah. Yeah. That were, that were working well for me. I was making good money, you know, all of those things. And, um, when I was pregnant with my daughter, um, I went into preterm labor and um, my doctor put me on bed rest. And I do think that that was probably the first time where I thought, oh, OK, this isn't this. These things have got to change. And so I, interesting. I, did you I like the bed rest or did you? Did I you did not. <laughs> OK. <laughs> I did not. And I did not keep it very well either. But I did. Keep, I kept her in. She she was almost fully cooked. She was only two weeks, three weeks early, so it was all good. But um, yeah, it was, 
And and in fact, I was going so crazy. He let me go back to work part time because I was like climbing the walls and it wasn't good for my blood pressure. So it was we had to balance it out. But yeah, I think that was the first sign that, okay, maybe things have to change, but they didn't. (laughs) And I and I went back. And so I we tried and I had my second child in 2008. And um, I think after Alex was born, um, I will give the ad agency so much credit. I had banked vacation and then uh, maternity maternity benefit leave program was really generous. So ultimately I had a six month maternity leave, which is amazing in the U.S., right? That was unheard of. It was six months at half pay to be clear. So it wasn't wasn't fully paid, but still like that was amazing. That's huge. Yeah. You can keep afloat. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that gave me time to really consider, okay, do I really want to go back or explore what else is out there? So I started exploring, um, going in-house, and that's when I got hired as the vice president of marketing at um, a commercial finance company called Multiservice Corporation. Okay, okay. It doesn't exist anymore. It's been bought multiple times. But, um, <laughs> and this is all 2008 it, still? That was 2008. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So you um, almost we're almost to 2009. <laughs> correct. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that's when, you know, I think that it was, again, that was another pivot in the career where now I had a, I, I hired an agency and I wasn't, you know, at, at the beck and call of clients, I could, <laughs> I could boss around my own ad agency, right? Like oh, I, nice. it was, yeah, it was a yeah, very different, different experience being, um, right. on the, and I was the first time I was on the leadership team at an organization and really got to understand the, you know, how things ran and everything from HR to, you know, investment decisions, all these things with, that before were, I was probably more arm's length, you know, away mm. from. So it was great education, learned a ton. Um, the industry itself is a little boring, but um, it was a great experience. And then from there was recruited to um, another company called Westlake. And at West uh, Westlake, I uh, was there for about a year and then um, got laid off because the company had been sold. Mm. And um, that was when I, we took a, that was a, the moment where both my, both kids were in school full time and we could go to part-time childcare. And I had this opportunity to interview at a nonprofit oh, and nice. um, that the Lyric Opera of Kansas City and the cut and pay was almost exactly equal to um, how much less we were paying in childcare. <laughs> wow. Right. And it kind of, again, the moon's aligned and allowed me to do that without it having like a significant impact on our income. And I loved working in nonprofit, being part of the arts community, you know, going back to that original communications degree, like being part of the artistic process without being an artist was really fun. Right. Um, and, um, I did that for a couple of years, ultimately got recruited away by a commercial, um, a commercial equipment company, um, they offered me twice the salary I was making at the opera and it was just <laughs> too, too good hard to turn that down. Up. Yes. Right. It was really, really hard. Um, and so I'm to this day, I still wonder like what would have happened had I not taken that, but I did make that move. So throughout all this, my first cancer was while I was VP marketing at multi-service at that commercial, um, finance company. And, um, it was one of these crazy ones. I had melanoma and I didn't know it. So I had this like little mark on my leg. It was to me just a mole. It was no big deal. My mom kept nagging me to go to a dermatologist and have it checked out. And she was like really aggressive. 
about me going and getting it checked out okay. and, you know, 10 points to mom because I finally just to get her <laughs> off my back, you know, right, right. Yes. stop annoying the me. Leave me alone. Yes. And they, they took the nudge off and, um, four days later they called to say, Hey, this is melanoma. We're going to make an appointment with, um, a surgeon. Whenever that appointment is, you need to go. Mm. There's no stopping. And I don't care what's on your calendar. <clears throat> you're going. Mm. And wow. It was like really intense. So it was like a Tuesday. I got the call, met with the surgeon. I think Wednesday had surgery Friday. Like that's wow, really, really. So they're fast. they're on nine one one kind of schedule because melanoma is such a fast moving cancer, and because my um the the spot was so large, relatively speaking. I mean, okay. again, large is relative. We're talking mm. about you know like I don't remember anymore nine millimeters like it was less than an inch but still okay. at the time it was considered quite big okay and um the and they said okay well we're going to send this to pathology and if it's spread to your lymph nodes you'll have six months to live and if it hasn't spread you'll be fine just wear more sunscreen like those are the choices <laughs> yeah 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 it's so melanoma is one of those because i think my dad had mel many mel men melanomas and they always mm -hmm. just turned out to be nothing right well and there's then, lots of different kinds of skin cancer right. so if it's melanoma it's not nothing but if it oh. hasn't spread it's no it is no big deal this is true okay so the, the catch is if it hits your lungs or your liver you know you it's not, it's not good. So, okay. Um, Interesting. I'm learning. So, I'm learning. <laughs> yeah. That was an intense weekend. You know, it was just a, and I was really grateful at the time to have toddlers at home. You know, my daughter was three, my son was one and it was, um, you know, they're little need machines when they're that little yes. and it was, and it was good, you know, like they still need snacks and baths and story time and all the stuff. And right. so that kind of kept us sane and then get the call Monday. It hadn't spread. I was going to be fine. Just wear more sunscreen. Um, wow. It's a little intense. You yeah. Know, go back still to work. scary and, though. And a year later, um, I had an abnormal reading on a mammogram. And in that reading, they came back and said, you um, need to come back. And so anytime you have an abnormal reading, you get to go, they bounce you to the breast surgeon, the breast surgeon, feeling you up, you know, get their <laughs> fingers on your boobs. <laughs> And then she starts, her fingers start traveling up to my neck and she sees a lump in my neck that she doesn't like. She's like, well, let's go look at that too. Oh, no. So at the time, whatever was going on in my boobs was no big deal at the time. But in my neck, I had thyroid cancer oh, 11 geez. months after the melanoma. Oh my goodness. And so I thought, oh my gosh, so do I have to have surgery on Friday? <laughs> right. I was right. like, no, it's not fast moving. And we want you to do these labs first and whatever. And so you could get, as long as you have your surgery in the next three months, you'll be fine. Like this idea that like, I was going to have to hang out with cancer for three months was just so crazy to me after everyone had been so like panicked over the, the melanoma. But I think in retrospect, it was a gift, you know, because I had time to like arrange the appropriate childcare and make right. sure that my mom was in town and, you know, all these things. It wasn't so like the 911 emergency that the first totally, one was. Right, right. Totally. Um, and so the only challenge with that one is that I had a very, 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 very rare side effect. It happens to 2% of patients. Um, where that's as a, a lottery my, you don't want to win right there. No, it's not. <laughs> um, where as a result of my thyroid surgery, I became what's called hypoparathyroid. And we only found that out after I'd been released from the hospital and went into hypoglycemic shock. So that was not fun. Don't recommend that. Zero out of 10. <laughs> Do not recommend. Um, and no stars. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. And I ended up in the hospital for about two weeks while they got that under control and found an over-the-counter med that would help me 
um, a prescription medication that would help me regulate my calciums um, so that I wouldn't need to be attached to a, a drip. Um, and eventually got me right. okay. semi, semi, you know, at least out of the hospital, which was great. But it, I was probably off work for almost a month. Um, it was a lot. It it was, and especially being so, I mean, at least again, I had planned for some of it, but I hadn't planned to be out that long. Mm. And um, the, it, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot to handle. And I think some of the things that I learned through that process unrelated to my career were just things like, you know, medicine is not, um, it's as much art as science mm. that it's not some, so, you know, there's definitely some doctors that are for sure smarter and more creative than others. And right. there is, I think, a lot to do. With, it's There are a lot of things that are very subjective. There are just some medical care teams that will align better with me and my values than others. And so Dr. A might be great for you and terrible for me. Right. So right. I, I just think. And I learned that process um, in trying to find an endocrinologist and um, that would work with me. You know, I really struggled with clinical fatigue for about a year as a result of that whole episode. I was on ultimately at the end of the day, I was on the wrong med. But um, my when I complained to my endocrinologist how tired I was, he's he blew me off and said, you know, you're a working mom. Working moms are always tired. And I was like, dude, I'm telling you. I, I have, know what that more, tired's I'm like. I'm more tired now than <laughs> I was right. when my children were newborn. So right, right. I like I F, wanted F to. you, yes. <laughs> yeah. And right. it, it's, I mean, in my mind, I thought, and you're fired. But I didn't say it out loud. Right. <laughs> and you're fired. Then when but I you said, fired you want to make him. a follow-up appointment, you know, and I left, I'm like, I'll call later. Uh, no. Right. And so I uh, found a, found a new one. doctor. Good idea. Who will, you know, listen. Right. So, again, you just learn, right? You learn all these things. Um, mm. When I was working at the opera, I had um, another skin cancer. This one, luckily, was not nearly as serious. It was a basal cell skin cancer, but it was on my nose. Right. And it was just big enough that it required two plastic surgeries to have the skin on my face <laughs> cover my nose. Um, okay. And so... And luckily, because of all this experience, I had now kind of learning to advocate for myself and learning to ask good questions and learning to like interview doctors to decide on who I wanted to work with and not just, you know, go with whoever I was referred to. Um, I ended up making a much better outcome for myself. The first plastic surgeon I met with wanted to make a cut that would start from the inside of my eyelid and go all the way down like my the laugh lines on my chin and my I'm sorry, my get my cheek and face all the way down to my chin. And I was like, wow, so I'm going to have a scar from like my eye to my chin. And he goes, yes. When do you want to make your appointment for your surgeon? Like, yes. Ah, uh, let me think about it. And so I went to a different plastic <laughs> surgeon. Like, is there an option? Like, is there any mm. other way? And he goes, yeah, there's this crazy thing that I've been doing. It's a two-part surgery. It's not comfortable. It's added pain, but it leaves you with no scar. And I was like, sign me up. So it was, a dis- it was a decision. It was a choice. Like I was more than willing to go through 10 days of this weird, weird process where I walked around <laughs> with an open wound on my face with this, this thing, this patch sewn to my nose wow. and while the skin loosened and then I went back and they sewed it right back up. And I, you know, you don't see the scar. I mean, I, I can see it and it's very, very mild, but like, I don't see very, the scar. Yeah. No, no. It was amazing. Yeah. Totally worth it. Right. So, I mean, and it'd be terrible, I think, to go through that 10 days of the open wound and not and only being able to do a sponge bath and like all this crazy stuff. If you had, if I didn't know, well, 
this is still the better option to have having a giant C-shaped scar on my face altogether, you know? Right. So, like, okay, this is worth it. Like, understanding those trade-offs. But those trade-offs are important to me. They might not be important to you, right? Right. So, again, it just all comes down to, you know, who you are and and what your values are. So, um, my fourth cancer came along when I was uh, vice president of marketing at um, Aero Manufacturing, that commercial transportation company, and... um, I, that was my first breast cancer. And, um, I, like I said, I was, I went in, um, it was small, caught early and I was able to get away with a lumpectomy at that time without not a mastectomy. And I had to do radiation and the radiation, like I said, I went in really arrogant thinking no big deal. And it turns out that like I did not (laughs) react well. And I was very, very sick and sore and tired. And, um, again, I was really lucky. I was working for a small company that was incredibly gracious about, me taking more time than I anticipated taking off and letting me, you know, delegate tasks to other people and just yeah. not pulling my weight. Mm. And, um, and I was really grateful, you know, for, and they'd never, and I offered to go on a half salary and they didn't take me up on it, which was incredibly generous. Like wow. it was just, yeah, yeah, they were really, really good to me. And in that sense. Mm. And um, so again, you know, you just learn, you learn, you learn and learn all these different things. And, um, Ultimately, like I said, you know, got to the, um, and that was when the idea for the bomb box really was in my head. And, um, but I was still working and making a really healthy salary and we're two income family and right. All of those and volleyball club, volleyball fees and tennis lessons and all that other crap. You can still, you can still keep uh, up, you know, you're healthy enough to, to do this rat race thing. (laughs) Right. And so we, (laughs) you know, the idea of leaving my corporate career was sort of like this fantasy at the time, right? It was this idea that like, well, that's something I'll do in my twilight years. Like after the kids are graduated from college and we have major financial responsibilities. Um, but the pandemic and that pause that we all got right got me to rethink and and also getting laid off right that was a kind of a great opportunity sure. all of those things um really collided and made mm-hmm. me say okay maybe this is the right time right. and what am i waiting for and so my husband and i sat down and looked at our finances and what it would take and you know like like i said the opportunity to bring in some income versus zero income right. while teaching um, at the school was was amazing and um, and I made a really big change right and I have never never looked back and I'm so grateful you know it's it's just been really really good for me but good for our family um it it's been and plus you know I get these incredible letters of gratitude from customers and patients and right that brings me so much more fulfillment than a paycheck. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do miss making that much money, but, um, right. I'd like to in the future, but for the moment, you know, those trade-offs have been really worthwhile. Mm. And it sounds like you're enjoying yourself. I am. Uh, I am. It's everything from, you know, things, your kids' responsibilities are different now. Like the, um, traveling with my daughter to her, club volleyball events, I don't have to worry about burning vacation days. I just go. Right. <laughs> just, yes. You know, yeah, just go. Yeah. Um, or, you know, my son has a, a three o'clock JV tennis tournament. Great. I can take off early and do that. Like, I don't, 
I don't have PTO or sick leave or any of those things to worry about. Mm. I just work for myself and, and I, and I, and I manage it accordingly. And that is incredibly freeing. Um, And, and I did not realize, especially while my kids are teenagers, how valuable it would be to have such a flexible schedule and how much I would enjoy it. And everything from, you know, the plumber needs to come to the house and, you know, all that work from home, which pre-pandemic was a much bigger deal. Nowadays, I think, you know, all employers are a little bit more flexible on those things. But I think they have uh, to be now. Yeah. Right. Because so many people are working from home and or like some version of like a flex kind of thing where like. For sure. If something comes up or, you know, I know like before I retired, retired, I was doing like half days like four days a week. So half day in the office, I would start in the office and then leave at noon and then finish the day uh, in my kitchen on the computer and turn the phones, right? Right. And I think that that kind of... It was great. (laughs) Hybrid. I'm really grateful for... In in fact, what I tell my students is I think that your first job, go for a place that has like required... That you should be in the office as much as you can. You're going to learn from other humans just by nature of being there and listening. Yeah, that's true. That it's not right. great for your first job to work from home. It's very isolating. But yeah. as a senior executive and working for myself, I love it. I don't think it would be great. I don't think it's a great setup for um, new employees or new graduates. And so yeah. there's that balance. I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And you get to, like you said, you get to be around people, right? <laughs> Yeah, you being know, lonely and, uh, you know, is is very dangerous for that your you health. You can ask right. questions because you're yeah. going to have them, and yeah, you can reach out to people in Slack. I get that, but it's just not the same thing as the water right. cooler chat, right? So right, right, right. I just do think that those relationships are built better in person. I can see now all these efforts that various companies are doing to draw people back to their offices, and I'm grateful that I don't have to deal with it. I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's almost like we we we've come up with the best of both worlds, almost. Yeah, it's like going yeah. to the office, like either like part time in a day or part time in a week. You know, I think like some people are going to the the office a couple days a week, right? And they spend maybe a whole day there, right? But it's it's just like the meeting day or like or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, totally. So yeah, it. so that's how I've kind of that's how I think my cancer has nudged me along. Oh, and then of course my fifth cancer. We haven't gotten to number five. Right. Um, I was diagnosed um, in December of 2022 um, with oh breast Another cancer one. in the opposite boob, which oh, totally lovely. sucked. Yeah. Um, super rare. Again, I was kept looking for a stat on it, and it's so rare I can't find a stat. If wow. You're going to get it's not a recurrence, it's just a whole new breast cancer in the other boob. Um, oh, my goodness. And went through a lot of agony, but chose to do. Um, a mastectomy and mm. I just, but I only did the one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I did that in March and I just had reconstruction surgery in July. So again, the ability to, and, and what's also amazing is that reconstruction surgery was originally scheduled for October, which was a really long time to wait. And it was really, that was a function, not of my ability to do the reconstruction. It was a function of just the surgeon's availability. It's a super long surgery Wow. Um, it's called a deep lap reconstruction and the, it's kind of awesome. They cut out your lower belly and they turn that into a new boob. How cool is that? <laughs> hmm. Get a little tummy tuck at the same time. Yeah. And, it's like a bonus. 
<laughs> but it's an eight-hour surgery for oh a single. Goodness. I think it's 12 for a double if you're going to do two. Wow. And so it's such a long surgery. It's a big OR hog. And so they only allow, at least in, in our area, um, the surgeons to reserve the um, OR once a week for it. And so okay. there's just a backlog of patients. But luckily, again, I had this really flexible schedule and there was a cancellation on, on July 11th and they asked if I wanted it. And I Jump. had like two weeks. And I was like, heck yeah. So I took it. Which <laughs> I'll ask great. my boss. Oh, it's me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, it was just absolutely amazing because we had, I was out of town the week before in Chicago with my daughter for volleyball nationals and wow. got home and two days later had my surgery. And so like that kind wow. of ability to just be able to, um, to jump on that opportunity had I been work, you know, not working for myself, that would have been really hard. And trust me, and with two weeks notice, it was hard to also make sure that the business had coverage and that things right. would still keep going. Right. You still you know, have to, a little bit of it's a, not like an automatic, but yes, you have to take no, it. You got to make no, it work. But, right. Yeah. But luckily I had, I had, you know, employees in place and they were awesome. And I have a great ad agency and like people just jumped in. I said, Hey, this is what I need. Can you do it? And people were amazing. So again, learning to ask for help when you need it yeah. <laughs> and getting it is amazing. And it makes yeah, such yeah. a difference. So, so um, as we yeah. wrap up, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the bombbox.com. Yeah. So what, what are some of people's favorite items to get? I, I suppose it depends on the nature. It totally does. It's yeah. so interesting. Um, our, some of our most popular products are specific to breast cancer. So we have a mastectomy box that has these really amazing pillows in it that I actually have manufactured specifically for Bombbox. Um, oh, wow. I have not seen anything so out there designed very similar. by you. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Good for you. Yeah. And they fit. Um, they're these weird, like, I, they look like giant apostrophes. Like they're big. Okay. Um, C-shaped pillows and they tuck under your arm okay. so that it kind of separates when you have a mastectomy or even when you go through breast radiation. I would have loved these pillows when I was going through radiation um, to have it. The, the weight of your arm is very annoying to your upper body. And it's especially when you're sleeping, you want your arms propped up in a way. Okay. And so these pillows are fabulous in terms of like getting the weight of your arm off of your upper torso. And we have another pillow product that is the same idea, but it's a seatbelt protector. So it's just this um, T-bone shaped pillow that oh. tucks between you and a seatbelt and it pulls the seatbelt tension away from your upper torso. So especially, again, if you've had any kind of upper body surgery, mostly like a, a mastectomy or a lumpectomy um, or radiation or mm. a chemo port, which mm -hmm. is in your um, upper torso, it's, Oh wow! It can be really tender, and having hmm. the seatbelt touch it hurts. And so, yeah, yeah. having just this really simple pillow, and the pillows are so great actually that um, CVS reached out, and they now are available for sale on CVS.com. Very cool. These pillows? Yeah, the pillows. Yeah. Wow! So and I can go to CVS and buy this. What did you call it? The seatbelt on the website, not in the store, not okay. yet. I'm on I'm the website. On, on the website. Uh, yeah. So like, I, I, this has nothing to do with cancer. <laughs> well, they do. on, I on mean, long they, trips and long car trips yeah if i they don't just... wear the right pants i'm in trouble <laughs> so i have i have what the this condition that uh middle-aged men have called dunlap disease that means my belly has dunlapped over my belt uh and <laughs> <laughs> so i have to go to great lengths to make sure that whatever i'm wearing on a long drive is nice and loose Right. Yeah. 
So because it, I, I just did it the other day. I think we, we went only to Utah, which is not that long of a drive. So you're talking like four hours of driving one way. No big deal, right? But wrong mm-hmm. pants, that's a problem. That's a long time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the so seat this seatbelt thing might have seat helped. Belt protector, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of pulls that tension off of your body while still keeping the seatbelt in place. So, right. It, yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. think I might check that out. Or yeah. just get it's some a, more sweats. It's a great product. <laughs> it's a great product. So, um, the, like I said, yeah, those mastectomy um, packages are very popular. We have this great little quiz on the site. So okay. it will guide you. So if you're not totally sure what to buy, right. um, we have this really smart four-question quiz that will take you down a path and recommend particular um, care packages based on where your friend or family is in their treatment. And if you're not sure, we have the cancer care package, which is just the generic, a little bit of everything box. And so it's like the potpourri. And that, that's a big seller too. This will be way more useful than yet another pink tote. Yes. And it's not, and that should be very clear. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, while we do have breast cancer specific boxes, everything else is for any, anyone undergoing chemo. It doesn't have to be right. chemo for breast cancer, right? Anyone right. undergoing um, chemo, radiation, you know, radiation, yeah, yeah, right, right. is going to benefit from the radiation package, right? So, um, those have been really, really well received. The treatment specific boxes. Well, Liz Bennett, you're going to get my award. You can, I'll, I'll print you up a certificate. You, you've made life has given you plenty of lemons. <laughs> yes. And you yes. made some great lemonade. So good for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, I'm really great. I'm grateful, right? Like I am grateful. I think I've learned a lot from my illnesses and right. I think it's made me. Tons of silver linings, right? For sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And I love that like I've been able to give back a little bit to the community in this very unique way. And right. I'm excited. I'm excited about where we're going. That's great. Congratulations. Thank Good you. job. Keep going. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, this has been a blast. You have a good one. Thank Don't hang you. up just yet. We'll we'll chat okay. a little bit, but I'm going to hit stop because the show's over. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.